This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Yehuda was a chassid of the Seer Lublin, and he lived near Lublin in Poland over 200 years ago. And even though he was a chassid, he wasn't a very learned Jew. It's true he knew how to read, and he knew how to daven, but he had a real sense for business. And as a result, he became wealthy very quickly, and never spent the time to learn any Torah, because he was so busy with his business dealings. And as a result of being a wealthy Jew, he had the schut, the merit, to give a lot of tzedakah to the seer of Lublin. And as you know, there's the wheel. Sometimes you're on top, and sometimes you're on the bottom. And one day, the wheel started changing for Yehuda. And within a few months, he had lost his huge fortune, and nothing seemed to be working for him. He didn't know what to do because he'd been so wealthy for so long. He couldn't go around and beg, and he didn't want to just take any job. But he had a family, children, and a wife that he had to support. And so eventually he decided that he would be a porter. He would carry things. And every day he would go to the marketplace or to the train station or to the docks and see if anyone needed anything carried. And so he had a little business here and there, and it was at least enough to put some bread on the table. But Yehuda, he'd been wealthy for so long, he wasn't a very strong person. And carrying things wasn't easy for him. But he had some other problems. First of all, all the wealthy people, they had their own servants that came with them. Second, a lot of people didn't even have any baggage. And third, there were other porters, and he had to share the work with them. And as a result of not having any money and spending his days exhausting himself looking for work, he stopped going to the seer of Lublin, and this caused him to have a great yerida, spiritual descent. And then he had an entire week without one customer, and then another week without another customer. And Yehuda, now he had no money left. And he was getting hungry, and he was standing on the street, trying to figure out what to do, getting depressed, feeling like he was worthless. Then he hears a voice from behind him. Hello there, my friend. Your name is Yehuda, right? And Yehuda looks, and he sees it's the local priest. And the priest shakes Yehuda's hand, and he says, You know, I've seen you here working for a long time, and you don't seem to be making any money, right? Listen, if you want to work, I have some work at the church. If you're interested, come to the church later today, and we can discuss it. And then the priest shakes Yehuda's hand. Now Yehuda knew that the church was the enemy of the Jews, but he said to himself, but why is it so bad to interact with Christians? Is that such a big deal? And then he stood there for a few more hours, and without any new customers, he decided to go to the church and see what the priest had to offer him. And when he walks in, the priest was so nice to him. He offered him a cup of water. And he said he'd already spoken with the caretaker and that there was a job lined up for Yehuda. He could take care of the garden starting tomorrow and he would get paid very well for it. And the priest put a few coins into Yehuda's hand. And he said, listen, this is just a loan until you start working. Don't worry, it's just a loan. You can pay me back tomorrow after you get paid. And Yehuda thanked the priest. But the next day when he showed up for work, the priest who was very friendly just like before, he said, Yehuda, come sit down. Let's have a little chat before you start working. You know, Yehuda, you seem like you're a very intelligent person. 
doesn't it make sense for you to become a Catholic? I mean, can't you see that Judaism isn't working for you? Just look, you used to be such a wealthy person, and now you're begging for money? The reason is because your God is too far away from you. Just look at our churches. They're big and beautiful. And look at your little shuls. They're broken and falling apart. We're successful, and you Jews are a failure. If you want to be successful, you need to join us. Now Yehuda was not happy in hearing this from the priest. And the priest noticed it in his eyes, and he said to him, Listen, I'm not telling you to stop being a Jew. No, 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 not at all. All I'm going to do is sprinkle a little bit of water on you. You just come and hang out at church on Sundays, and that's it. I'll give you a job, you'll have money again, and I'll bet your rabbi can't do better than that. So Yehuda went home confused, and he didn't know what to do. He knew that he was a Jew, and he wanted to stay a Jew, but he didn't want to stay hungry. And here the priest is offering him something. Then he had an idea. He could just pretend to be a Christian. He would still be a Jew and do everything as a Jew, but he would go to the church on Sunday and hang out. Is that such a big deal? And on the way home, he stopped off in the shul, and he sees that nobody's there. So he goes and he puts his head in the Aron Kodesh. He says, listen, Hashem, I'm so hungry and desperate, and I'm sorry to say this to you, Hashem, but you're really not helping me very much, and I wouldn't really change my religion. It would just be so that I could have some work. But when he got home, Yehuda's wife wasn't confused at all. She said, listen, my husband, I might be a simple woman, but I think before you change your religion, you should go to your Rebbe, the seer of Lublin, and ask him. And so two days later, Yehuda was standing before the great tzaddik and explaining his situation and what the priest was offering him. And he said, Rebbe, listen, God has abandoned me. I have nothing. I don't even have food to eat. So if I have nothing, I don't have anything to lose, do I? But the tzaddik, the seer Lublin, he was shaken to his core. That Yehuda, one of his chassidim, would even consider becoming a Christian for this? And then the seer Lublin said to him, listen, you have a good point, Yehuda. But if you have complaints about how Hashem is treating you, then you better take him to the Beit Din. And Yehuda said, what are you talking about, take Hashem to a Beit Din? The Seer Lublin said, forget about the priest. Let's bring Hashem to the Beit Din. The Seer Lublin said, Yehuda, if you agree, I'll get together three rabbis. They'll be the Beit Din, and you can state your claims before the court. I will be the defendant for Hashem. And you state your case. And then after they hear all the sides, the Beit Din will decide the case. So Yehuda agreed. He said to himself, if the Seer Lublin is offering me this, then it must be okay. And within a few minutes, the Seer Lublin had picked three judges, the door was closed, and the trial began. And one of the judges said, Yehuda, what is your claim against Hashem? At this point, Yehuda was beginning to regret this whole thing. But he said, well, you know, it was Hashem that made the problems. So he figured he'd say something. He said, yeah, you know, I used to be rich. And I gave a lot at Staka. I gave more than 20%. And then for no reason, I lost my fortune. And now I'm so poor that I don't even have a way to feed my family. I want Hashem to give me all my money back. And what does he need money for anyhow? The seer Lubin, he said, True, you did give a lot of tzedakah, but you also did some transgressions, and for that you have to pay. And Yehuda answered, It's true, I did make some mistakes, but I didn't do them intentionally. It's because I didn't know any better. I never really learned any Torah my whole life. Ah, said the seer Lubin, that's no excuse. You used to have a lot of money. If you wanted, you could have found the time to sit and learn or hired a teacher to teach you. Then Yehuda said, well, I know a lot of wealthy Jews who don't know Torah either, and they don't even keep the mitzvot so well, and they didn't lose all their money. Why should I have lost mine? To which the seer Lublin said, 
It wasn't Yehuda's place to figure out why Hashem did one thing or another. And no matter what, whatever mitzvot he did in this world, he's going to get the reward for it in the world to come. And Yehuda said, but Hashem has enough money, and what does he need all this money for? And I have a wife and children, why do they have to suffer? And then both sides rested their cases. The judges thought it over after a short amount of time, and they asked Yehuda if he knew that Hashem would forgive all of his transgressions. Would he forgive Hashem for making him poor? To which Yehuda said that it's true that he had done some transgressions, but he would only forgive Hashem if he made him rich again. So the judges took a break again, and they came back. They said, according to the law, Hashem is right. After all, he's the king of the universe, and the king can do whatever he wants. But because Hashem expects us to go beyond the letter of the law, so then Hashem himself should do the same. And so the Beit Din decided that Hashem should return the money to Yehuda on the condition that Yehuda from now on will spend a few hours each day learning Torah with a teacher who will be able to teach him all the halachot that he needs to know. And so they wrote the decision on a parchment. And everybody there signed it. And Yehuda promised to do tshuva. And Hashem was given 30 days to return the money. Yehuda went home, he told his wife what happened. And the next day, he went to the marketplace to make a kosher vessel for receiving the fortune. And he stood there all day, waiting for the fortune to come. From morning to night, shouting out, Who wants a worker? Who has something to carry? But nothing happened. He barely even made any money. It was the same thing the next week and the week after. And he was just barely keeping his family from starving. And finally, it was the 30th day. He didn't want to go back to the priest, but it's been 30 days. And if Hashem wasn't going to keep his end of the deal, then why should he? He'll just go to the priest and get the job. It was an hour left in the day and the sun was setting and Yehuda started walking towards the train station. A huge train came in. And rich people started getting out of the first-class coach. He started saying, anyone want a porter? Anyone need a porter? But everybody was rushing past him. And then the train sounded a few whistle blasts and slowly pulled out of the station. Cold winter wind blew, and Yehuda started walking home. That was it. The 30 days were over, and Hashem did not fulfill his promise. And then suddenly somebody called out and said, Hello, porter. Hello, are you a porter? He turned around. He saw a very overweight, well-dressed Jew with a medium-sized trunk. And he said, Are you a porter? Yehuda said, Yes, yes, I'm a porter. And the wealthy Jew said, Good, keep an eye on this for a few minutes. Maybe five minutes, no more. I'll be right back. And he gave Yehuda a silver coin and rushed off into a side door. He said, five minutes, I'll be right back. Everybody had left the train station at that point. And an hour later, the wealthy Jew still hadn't come back. He waited another hour, and the wealthy Jew still didn't come back. So he took this heavy trunk and put it on his shoulder. And it was so heavy, he could barely move it. But he gets it home, and he figured in the morning, he'll go back to the train station and try to find the wealthy Jew. And by the time he gets home, he was so exhausted that the trunk fell off his back, oh, oh. hit the ground, and one of the hinges snapped. 
and the contents inside came out. It was filled with gold and silver. It was a fortune. The next morning, and the morning after that, and the morning after that, he kept going to the train station and asking anyone if anybody recognized the trunk or the wealthy Jew, and nobody did. So he went to the seer of the blind and asked him what to do. And the seer said, well, this must be Hashem keeping his end of the deal. You're learning Torah. Hashem paid you back the money. He said, how much is in there? So Yehuda had counted the money. And the seer Lubin said, is that as much as you used to have? He said, no, not exactly, but it's certainly a lot of money. So the seer Lubin said, it's yours. You get to keep the money. It didn't take long before Yehuda was rich again. But this time, he had learned his lesson. It wasn't enough for him to just give tzedakah. But now he had set aside time for learning Torah. And he never looked at that priest again. Because he knew the only place that he had to turn was to Hashem. Sometimes you need the help of a Rebbe. And sometimes you need a Beit Din to win your case so that Hashem will keep his end of the deal. Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends, and thank you for all your support. I want to thank the new supporters of this podcast, Joshua Sandlin, Tadeo Lorenko, and Sarah Pugh. And thank you for listening and for sharing, and to all the other supporters of this podcast, and of course, my kids that listen every night before they go to sleep, and all the kids around the world that are listening, and all the adults. I hope you have Hasidic Echolimus, Hasidic dreams, revealed good and be able to serve Hashem truly basimcha with true joy. Thank you again. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C-Story.com.